Hello and welcome to The Drop, the official podcast of the 130th Airlift Wing. I'm Senior Master Sergeant Eugene Christ from your 130th Public Affairs. Becoming an Air National Guard pilot is one of the most revered positions not only at the 130th, but for Guard units across the country. Joining us today are two of the newest pilot candidates selected to attend the multi-year-long training pipeline to become a C-130J Super Hercules pilot here at McLaughlin Air National Guard Base. Joining me on the pod today are Staff Sergeant Michael Watson, Technical Sergeant Josh Rawson, and Lieutenant Colonel Ben Zimmerman, the 130th Airlift Squadron Commander. Welcome to the pod, gentlemen. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, yeah. Lieutenant Colonel Zimmerman, I understand you're asked regularly how someone can start a career in aviation here at the 130th. Can you share with our listeners how you normally answer that question and talk about the two newest pilot candidates joining us here today? Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, and again, thanks for having us on here and, and uh, giving us this opportunity to talk about this. I, I get that question all the time. People come to me and say, how do I, how can I be a pilot in the guard or how can I be a pilot in the 130th? And my, my stock advice that I give everyone is find a way into the unit and do the best job that you can wherever you are. So think about um, where you are, how you can serve and how you can serve in, in the best capacity where you are. Because uh, like I told Staff Sergeant Watson when I, when he was a uh, high school student and I just met him when his dad brought him to tour the unit, he said, how do I do this? I said, you get into the unit and serve while you get your college degree. And if you're going to be a loadmaster, be the best loadmaster we have. Because if you're not the best loadmaster we have, how could we ever expect you're going to be the best pilot we have when you get to that role? And, you know, pilots, it's just another great job in the military. It's another great way to serve. Um, I've, I've had the great honor of being able to serve for most of my adult life in the in the military and to get to this position that I'm in now. Um, I'm very grateful for it, and I'd love to see young airmen come up and have that same opportunity. So yes, i just sir. like to start by asking Tech Sergeant Rawson and Staff Sergeant Watson, uh, when did you decide you wanted to be a pilot in the 130th, and how, what did you do to prepare yourself for this opportunity? Would you like to go first, Michael? Yeah, I'll lead us off. Right. So um, I decided I wanted to be a pilot my uncle, who flew C-17s, he was uh, in active duty and reserve for a little bit, and he told me that I should look into the guard, and I did. And I wanted to fly, but I didn't have a college degree, so I took Colonel Sermon's advice, and I became a loadmaster, and I tried to do my best at that job, and I realized one day that I wanted to fly, so I uh, took my time, uh, really tried hard to be a good loadmaster, and got my college degree done as fast as possible, and then t uh, took the FOQ Air Force Officer Qualifying Test and the uh, Test of Basic Aviation Skills and put in a package in August. Yeah, so up through my younger years, uh, my dad was a navigator back on the H models. And he, uh, I got a lot of exposure to the unit and kind of the community aspect of it through him just from his friends and whatnot. And I thought that was really cool. I liked I like the unit itself, like kind of what the what the idea was and what community meant to to the people in the unit and from the people outside the unit. So I, I knew I wanted to be on the plane, um, and I just thought being a pilot was probably the more interesting route for me. And it definitely is now that the navigator position is um, has been moved out due to the uh, conversion. And coming into the unit, um, 
I picked a, I'm a aerial transportation um, craftsman. I picked that job because the tech school was short, um, and it put me around the airplanes so that I would have some sort of working knowledge. But um, And I knew once coming in that I would have to, you know, do like Colonel Zimmerman said, just be the best that I could. And I, I quickly learned that being the best that I can versus thinking the best or that I'm the best is a completely different mindset. So I, I definitely had a lot of personal growth from the unit, and I, I appreciate that aspect in terms of going through the application process. And one, one piece of advice I'll give, I, I applied to other units for um, what would be the undergraduate pilot training slot that they're offering. And I think that aspect helped me in preparation for my, my interview here. Just I didn't get hired anywhere else, but it kind of helped ease my nerves a little bit that I had a decent understanding as to what it might look like. Not, not that every unit's the same, but I just had some kind of uh, expectation in my head. And so to follow on from the applying to other units, why did both of you choose the 130th? So I chose the 130th because... Uh, this is all I knew. This was my first job coming out of high school. And when first day I walked in that everyone welcomes you with like open arms. It's a very family and team aspect. And it's not just about the job. Even when you're at home, you have people texting you if you're sick, checking in on you. Or if you have a family member, everyone really cares about you. And it's not just like, hey, you're my friend at work. And then when it's on the weekend, you don't never hear from anybody. It's uh, really a family at the 130th. So. Yeah, I'll follow up with the, the same, um, I guess, general ideas that the, the community here is small, but it makes it so much bigger in that aspect. Um, and to go along with the, the unit itself, I mean, it's, it's constant. I look up on the wall in the port and it's outstanding unit award, outstanding unit award. Um, I mean, if you want to, you can get into the why everybody in the guard here is so professional at their job and unfortunately for Charleston, West Virginia, it's a lot of what makes up, you know, the area is there's not a lot of jobs that offer these kind of skills and relationships. So everybody that, that works here wants to be the best at it. And I, and I think that kind of sets us apart from other, other uh, cities in the sense that there's just, you can, you can leave here and know that somebody's going to take care of you. There's not a million other people to go out and kind of be friends with or hang out with on the weekend. Like Michael said, like people that want to be your friend here will be your friend, whether you're at work, at home, deployed. And the amount of people that checked in on me while I was deployed even really, it really spoke volumes to me. So to be somewhere and then know that the people back home still care about me, I, that, that's definitely probably the the biggest driving factor as to why I want to get out of a plane and see Charlie West on the on the tail flash versus any other unit. Did the new airframes have any factor in as far as why you decided to join this unit? Uh, no, sir. Not for me, at least. I was already in the unit, and I was a loadmaster on the H model for a very short amount of time. But being a loadmaster on the J model and some of the older loadmasters in the unit might not like this, but it's much better. It's uh, more advanced, the technology's better, and it makes our life as a loadmaster easier in the back of the airplane. So I actually enjoy it more on the J model than I did on the H model. 
And also Loadmaster, you're more involved. You're sitting up in the cockpit rather than back in the troop doors. So you feel like you're in the middle of the conversation and you're making some big decisions and help running checklists and emergency procedures and whatnot. Yeah, so I obviously can't speak to the aircrew side of why the, why the J model is better than the H at the moment. Um, but I will say from a uh, longevity standpoint, the, the J model in my head you know, kind of drives the 130th into the future for as far as the eye could see versus when my dad was in in 2008, I think, when the BRAC base, base realignment enclosure is what BRAC stands for. And hopefully we don't ever have to hear that ugly word again. Um, but just seeing how detrimental that was on the on the the unit and the mindset of like no one thought the unit was going to close like we all knew is the best of the best even as people's children and whatnot we we're like it's didn't happening but it, it's just the uh, the negative connotation that the word comes with the the upgrade definitely kind of I think eases that and paves a paves a path into the into the future as far as the eye could see for the mission um, and just being relevant, I guess. Yeah, I understand you have to be careful about uh, saying you like the J better than the H because, you know, you don't want to go home and, and, uh, and, have, and get in trouble with your dad, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I personally think it's a prettier, prettier airplane. <laughs> but it's a tail art. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, so how would you? Uh, you kind of you talk, talked about how you give the people the advice, and we talked about what my advice was. But what did you do to prepare for that actual interview process? So, before the interview process, and it's a long process, I would recommend people maybe who haven't been to college or are starting college that they try their best. What and that sucks doing those, the classwork and going to classes, and if it's online classes, it sucks. But it looks good, especially if you're interviewing and person one has a 4.0 GPA and person two has a 2.6 GPA. If you guys are the same person in the eyes of the board, then the person with a higher GPA is probably going to get the job or selected. And so I would recommend way before the interview process to try hard in school, and it matters. I know it sucks, but it matters. And then also study for the Air Force officer qualifying test. It sucks too, but practice and take practice time test because that's what best prepared me, in my opinion, was taking this practice time test because you can study all the material and do all that, but it's different when you have to answer 70 questions in four minutes. You have a different kind of pressure on you. And then the same thing for the TBAS. You can't really study much for it, but you want to be well-rested and make sure that your mind's as sharp as it can be that morning. So my advice to them was to stop leading up to the interview is try your best on all the academic and the tests that you have to take that are part of your package. And then with the interview, I would, I mean, there's stuff all over the internet that you can look up on common questions and just know going into the interview process that everyone in there is a good candidate or they wouldn't interview the person that they have a high GPA, that their letter recommendations are good and that their uh, air force officer qualifying test is good. Their test of basic aviation skills is high. So you want to go in there knowing that all these people are qualified and you have to be humble going into the room. But I think you have to be confident in yourself that, and make the board know that this is, you need to hire me. I'm not going to go say that I'm the best, but I'm going to work around and say that these are the things that I've done that make me the best or, that, I, that can make me the best. 
That's awesome. Yeah, so to build off of that, um, he mentioned uh, researching the most common questions online. Um, and I even looked up off-the-wall questions. Like one of them was an interview question of, if you were a bicycle, what part of the bike would you be? And when you hear that, you're like, and your know. answer was I, I, the chain. And then I was like, why wouldn't I be a tire or a handlebar? You know, so I, I, it just made me kind of think about it. I was like, how do I mold myself into this whole person concept of being a bicycle, every single part of the bike at one time and portraying that message without just saying, Hey, I'm the whole bike, you know? So, um, yeah. Uh, the, the interview part is, is that's the show, but the practice leading up to it, it's just like playing a sport, you know. You're not going to be successful if you don't have some sort of history with it, even with yourself. Like shooting a couple free throws before a basketball game always helps. So why wouldn't you go look up research, like research questions on who, how someone set themselves apart from someone else? And it could be as far down to as, I ran into so-and-so that happened to be on my board and just made a good impression on them. There's, there's nothing I've, I've never seen a reg saying that you can't go introduce yourself to people beforehand. And then after the fact, if you don't get selected, um, which I've done in the past, it's given me good feedback is to, you know, just follow up and say, Hey, thank you for the opportunity, you know, cause then that just leaves a, there, who was the last person in their mind that they heard from following that board that didn't get selected? Because there's going to be another board. And if they're really that interested, then they'll probably apply again. Which leads me up to the point, if you're interested in flying, get some flying time. Michael's done so in a C-130, and you flew? Uh, I flew five hours in the uh, Cessna 172. Yeah. So you can't tell – you surely can't tell Colonel Zimmerman and be honest about it that you really want to be a pilot when you don't have any flying time. At least I would find it hard to believe. I have 70 hours. Still haven't finished my private, um, which I plan to do. And it just opens up so many opportunities. If you think flying's that fun, and you will find out flying to Lexington, Kentucky to get breakfast one morning while you're training and building hours to apply for pilot training is really fun. It, it's kind of expensive nowadays because of the price hike, but – there's workarounds for that, tuition assistance and whatnot, if you enroll in the right program, but it might be a topic for another day. Another thing I'll add on that is uh, the day of the interview is to make sure to look sharp. I mean, that could be your first impression coming in to meeting some people that you never know, or if you are in the unit, make sure your blues, your ribbon rack's good, your rank is sewn on to the correct rank, and that could be your first impression. So come in looking professional and act professional absolutely like i said when we started it i think it's such a great opportunity and the the feedback that i receive from some of the boards because i don't i don't generally sit on the pilot boards as the squadron commander i i, I receive the feedback from the board and then make those decisions but the 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 board's feedback for some candidates to say oh they just seem like they walked in and it was like no big deal like hey i might just try this out versus some other candidates like the two of you that they, they knew with not, beyond the shadow of a doubt that you were there to excel and that you had proven your record of excellence and you were going to take it into this new opportunity. So that, that's absolutely what, what any board looks for. And just like you said, Josh, it, any, any interview situation to, to come in and, and to do your best to prepare so that you know the members on the board, if you can find that, 
Uh, that way you can at least, you're not sitting in a room full of strangers. You can sit in a room full of people who you kind of know one person's background is in a, in a, in a certain arena and another one's is another way. And you can answer your questions so that you're speaking to that board and speaking to their hearts as my, my good colleague, Chief Williams would say, instead of just coming there and giving canned answers. So we've discussed pathways for current unit members. Is there is there pathways for members that are not, or individuals that are not a member of the unit to become a pilot? Yes, absolutely. So we, uh, our most recent board we held, uh, it only included members of the 130th because in the conversion, some people had gone through, you know, their careers have basically been derailed. They're, they're their path to where they wanted to go, be it if they were a maintainer or an operator, they had to go through some additional training and we didn't select for a year. We even had some candidates that we had selected and we had to kind of stop that selection because the priority was to retrain our current unit members. So that one board we held that was exclusive to members of the unit. But in the future, we feel like the more candidates there are, the more opportunity we have, the the more competitive the pool. So we're going to open up that to anybody from the community and there's a there's a job posting for the next board that'll be held in the spring coming out today. It'll mm-hmm. be posted on the uh, the guards PA feed, I'm sure, uh, for the one thirtieth. And <clears throat> and anybody who is in the community and and has a bachelor's degree and the minimum qualifications can apply. Uh, certainly, the same rules apply that apply to airmen wherever you are. If you're a college student, like you said, Michael knock it out of the park. If you uh, have a civilian job and you and you work at Best Buy, we should be able to call the people at Best Buy and they say, this is the best employee we have. And that's, that's who we want to select. So whatever you're doing in the community, if you're not a member of the military now, um, certainly it, it's an edge when, like you said, both of you, I think, said you, you see the people on the board and you interact with them and they know who you are. Being in the unit gives you the opportunity to have interview after interview after interview. I think, uh, Michael, you showed up and interviewed for, what, three years? <laughs> like, like 300 days a year? Yes, sir. <laughs> and, even, and even went to uh, J-Model Conversion. Like you said, you got qualified in the age. You went to J-Model Conversion and completed your degree on your downtime on the weekends in between your classes at the J-Model Avia Air Crew and Training Center. So, I mean, you don't have to be in the unit. Just do ec- excellence in all we do is one of our core values. And when we see that in people from the community that – makes them just as competitive and i'd just like to follow up on something real quick that i got feedback on from the board and this is i think it's a good spot to do it because it kind of curtails to both outside the unit and inside the unit is understanding that when you apply for a pilot board when you turn in a packet do not turn in something in a manila envelope that is paper clipped together and once you understand what you're applying for as a pilot, it's not just the right to say, hey, I fly an airplane. It's not. It's more or less the tip of the spear in the airlift community to be a pilot. You're the leader. You're the pilot. You're someone that everyone looks up to, whether you realize it or not. So when you apply and explain to these people that you want to be a pilot, it needs to be done so in a way that sets you apart from everyone else because people will just kind of mundanely apply for it like they would any other job because they think it's any other job. But someone that understands the true nature of it will, you know, take the time to, even if you have to spend a little extra money on printing stuff off at Office Max or Staples or whatever and then put a little money into buying a nice binder to do it, do it because it'll pay off in the end. 
And then one more thing I'll add about the civilian. If you are a civilian listening to this and you're thinking about applying, before your interview, look up some military customs and courtesies so you're not walking in there blindfolded and have no clue what's going on. They're not going to expect you to give a reporting uh, statement or like at the position of attention, but you don't want to go in there and slouch in a chair or just like act like you're going to talk to your friends. You want to, as I mean, still a, a professional interview. That's a great point. Great, great advice. Try to learn the ranks. Being able to address somebody as their proper rank when you're coming off the street would go a long way. Is there anything that shows that you've just put a couple more seconds into trying to apply for this job versus, you know, the five or six other people that might be there, which if it's an op, if it's a board for people outside the unit too, I imagine it'll probably be a lot bigger than what Michael and I. Sure. We did. hope so. We hope, you know, the, mo- yeah. the more competition, the stronger the candidates, yeah. we feel like. So we've talked a lot about the selection process. What can someone expect as far as like requirements and training after you're selected to be a pilot, what what's what's the process after that? Sure. So af- after that uh, selection board happens and the notifications made, the individual goes to a more in depth physical called an FC one. It's at Wright Patterson Air Force Base, where it's just an in depth flying inter- in- initial flying physical. Uh, once the results are favorable from that, then if it's a person who's n- who's not already an officer, then there's the commissioning. So they'll go to Maxwell Air Force Base to go to become a commissioned officer in the Air Force. Following that, if the uh, candidate does not yet have a private pilot's license, they'll go to introductory flight training in Pueblo, Colorado, where they fly a diamond aircraft. And, and it's a really great opportunity to learn, to get a primer for undergraduate pilot training, to see how the plane's flown, see see how the pattern's flown, see the way Air Force instruction's conducted. And then the next step is the undergraduate pilot training uh, at one of four pilot training bases around the country. Uh, it's about a one-year process. It varies. There's some experimentation with new models for how UPT works and sort of luck of the draw, which class a person winds up into. But at the back end of undergraduate pilot training, then they go to the uh, Little Rock Air Force Base, the C-130 Center of Excellence, and learn to fly the C-130J. And then after that, it's coming back to the unit, learning the mission, gaining proficiency, and and like I like I say to many of the aircraft commander candidates, which I think is the proudest the proudest moment in an aircrew member is when you be, get to become the pilot in command. I should say, the proudest moment for a pilot is when you get to become the pilot in command. Uh, and that's when I tell them that this is when it's you're the least important person on the crew now. You're you're just here to lead the team, and and, it, and it's very rewarding. It's 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 a great job. It's not the only great job in the military. It's not the only great job in the 130th, but I'm, I'm honored and humbled to have it. Uh, and that that path that I, I uh, stepped off onto in 2003 when I interviewed and, and uh, potentially even, well, when I interviewed in 2003, I, I started that, that journey that's been rewarding for me for, for a long time, for years. And so are there, uh, as we are Air National Guard members, are there benefits for someone who becomes a pilot in the Air National Guard on the civilian side as well? Oh, I, sure. There's a there's a huge market. It's it's actually it's a challenge and an opportunity for us right now. It's it's a great way to prepare yourself to be a pilot on the civilian side. But at the same time, we we like to see our young pilots grow up in the unit and master the C130 skills before they go off and start a new career. Sure. And the uh the industry recognizes the value of this 
military aviation training. And so a lot of our young pilots right now are getting jobs quickly with regional airlines and, and cargo airlines. And we're seeing, we're seeing a, a challenge, a challenge in keeping our people here and keeping them, uh, ga- gaining toward that pilot and command goal when they're off to work in the civilian world, which is a, like I said, a great job. So, uh, one final thought before we get off here is if you're thinking about putting in a package, I would recommend doing it and at least just kind of to meet everybody. Uh, everyone up here is great and you're going to make some lifelong friends. So if you're even thinking about it, try to come up here and meet everybody. And if you don't like people when you come up here, which would be beyond me, then don't put in a package. But if you're thinking about it, just put one in and see how it goes. So, to, I guess, caveat or piggyback, as they say, off of Michael. If you're thinking about putting in a package um, and you think the unit is cool, you can also talk about enlisting just for the meantime of getting selected to build that kind of, I wouldn't even say FaceTime, just build a family because that's really what it is. Um, and from that point on, people have got your back. They'll be honest with you. I've learned that in my career. People, people are very honest. Doesn't mean they don't love you, but if you're uh, – going down the wrong track on something or you're very wrong, they will be quick to correct it. So, and that's probably the most valuable, um, valuable aspect towards the interview is knowing that when someone from ops calls to ask about who you are as a person, the, the answer will be honest, but if it's good or if it's bad and becomes good, you know, that sheds a great light also on top of they've just been great all the time. So um, the the enlistment process, to my understanding, if you enlist and get selected, I mean, it's I'm sure there's paperwork that has to be done, but it can be rectified to go to pilot training instead of serving out an enlisted career. Sure, I think both of you have a standing enlistment. Uh, yeah, I just re-signed my six year back two years ago or something. So the the contract can be broken, um, but the enlistment's a great opportunity to travel. Uh, deploying's actually fun. Believe it or not, it is what you make of it. But just being able to be in the unit um, will definitely help with the process, kind of understanding the mission and what you're applying for. It is an awesome unit and a, and a fantastic group of people to be part of. There's no doubt about that. All right, gentlemen. Well, thanks for being on the ball today. Thanks, sir. Thanks, thanks for having us. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Drop. For more information about the 130th Airlift Wing, visit us on the web at www.130aw.ang.af.mil and follow us on all major social media platforms. Additionally, you can find us in the skies delivering freedom with courage. This is Senior Master Sergeant Eugene Grist reminding you to stay ready to go.